Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Pitaya. Hi everyone, I'm Kevin, and this is Hyphenated, the podcast about living in the hyphen. Joan and Jenny have the week off, but I'm back hosting because I had the opportunity to attend an event this week here in Los Angeles called Delusion, and then I got the chance to interview the creator of that event, John Braver. Now a little backstory, Jenny and I have a mutual friend, his name is Henry Alexander Kelly, and he's a working actor here in Los Angeles. He actually plays one of the characters in our Abuelos Family web series, Hector, Tia Gloria's son's boyfriend. So a few weeks ago, I get a text from Henry asking me if I wanted to attend a free dress rehearsal of a production that he was acting in, essentially an interactive play blended with an immersive haunted house experience. And after the show that night, I knew two things. One was that I wanted to do it again, and two, it was that I wanted to talk about it here on the podcast. But before we get to that, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of Jenny and Joanna on this week's episode. So here is an outtake from an upcoming episode where they took a tangent and started talking about haunted houses. So enjoy this, and then we will get to the interview with John Braver, the creator and director of Delusion. For instance, like, same thing with um, Halloween Horror Nights at, at Universal Studios. Like, people actually go to get scared. Like, people jump at you with chainsaws and, like, you know, and that shit doesn't phase me. Wait, so is, is that is that like a, like a, como a haunted house? There's multiple haunted houses, and they're themed after, like, the big stuff that's... The big fa- like franchises and films that are popular. So I think this year, Nope is one of the the houses. Ooh. I know in the past there's been like Stranger Things. Like some houses are are more based on like the classic monsters. Some of them are based on like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's like very gory and bloody in there, and it's very intense. And I went to a couple. I do remember at one point being disturbed because I looked at a screen and it was like zombies like ripping up some dude and I was like <gasps> like oh, ew God. intestines so I was just, to me that's what bothers me but like all the other shit like people coming out from bushes cause like at the end of the day that dude is named Ted and he's a fucking actor just like me so I'm just I think for me like as, because so I'm an funny. actor the scare actors don't scare me of course like if they come out of nowhere my body is gonna initially react but I'm not there's people that are so terrified. Oh, me. Yeah, that's me. These, that's me. That's like, me. Like, they're clinging on 100%. to people. Yes. And what's funny is that those are the yes. people that get scared the most because the actors notice, oh, this this is, she's, she's being being a freaking wuss. So I'm going <laughs> to come at her. Meanwhile, I just walk around like blah, blah, blah. And they don't want to fucking try to scare people like me because they're like, fuck that bitch. Um, she's, she's acting a little too nonchalant, so I'm not even going to bother. But yeah, like, so I know people that 
in general, stay away from all things horror. They won't go to horror nights. They won't go to haunted hayrides. Like the most they'll do is like the haunted mansion at Disneyland. Like that to them is Which like is not peak. scary. There's people who also would never go into like the little shitty um, like haunted rides at like a at a, a, a like a, a carnival. Those little shitty ones that like. Don't you remember going to like like school carnivals and they had like it was so misogynistic because it'd be like this crazy spray paint job and it'd always be like some like big tittied woman and her like nips are almost hanging out and she's like 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 hanging over like a, a monster and he's like about to eat her neck like that's the kind of shit they would draw on these rides at like my catholic school carnivals um <laughs> it was always like this very scantily clad lady painted on these things on the outside and like literally about to get devoured by some creature it's so and weird then you then you'd go in the little maquinita, like, tick 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 And then it was like the dumbest little things would pop. Have, you've been in those, right? I, I, those you know, shitty I love little- those. And no, no, no. And I, <laughs> but it's so funny. I did one of these like scary walk through mansions in New Zealand because I was too afraid to do a bungee jump. And I was like, you know what I'm not afraid of? A sc- scary, creepy haunted house with actors that are paid $20 an hour to come and scare me. I was utterly terrified i i think it's because i like controlling things and i like controlling my environment i'm the type of person that before i get on a plane i'm like where's my seat i'm gonna go on seat guru i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that anytime something goes unexpected to me there's like a minor inconvenience i disassociate so (laughs) i like going through to these things because it's almost like it is like a bungee jump for me. Like, I don't need to bungee jump to feel like a bungee jump. I just need to, like, go through a, a like, chill-ass house with some actors pretending to scare me to feel that vibe. Like, <laughs> that's enough for me. Like, I am... I just want some I, random actors in L.A. to scare the fuck out of me. Uh, bro, me traveling make me is feel a haunted alive. house. I just traveled from Amsterdam, the trip was a haunted house for me. Every line I did, my brain was like, well, I, well maybe maybe my name is wrong. Maybe my name is wrong. Maybe my passport is expired and I forgot even that I took out my passport. Maybe maybe they're going to stop me. Maybe, maybe, maybe someone put some drugs in my bag and I didn't even notice and I'm going to put it and I'm going to be in jail. Like, for me, life is a haunted house. Life is a haunted house Snakes for me. on a plane. Snakes on a plane. You're not safe on a plane. You're still not safe. Doesn't <laughs> I guess I feel like for me... You know, life is really, I, 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 maybe I exude fearlessness, probably not, but I'm constantly afraid and there's something Mm -hmm. very gratifying (laughs) to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to control my fear. I'm going to sit down, press play. I can pause whenever I want and I'm going to be scared about something that isn't in my life. It's something that's on my, on the screen and I know is like actors acting and it is mm-hmm. an escape that yeah that makes sense like you're more in control just sitting on your couch watching something yeah. like that versus putting yourself in a position where you're being scared in person even though again same shit they're actors it's fake but it's a little more real because you're dealing with these jump scares that you typically only deal with on the big screen or the little screen if you're watching from home and you, you know, kind of jump, but that's as far as it goes. But now you have someone really coming at you looking like a bloodied clown. It's real. I don't have control over it. 
Exactly. <laughs> I don't, you don't have, have control, control over, over that. it in that moment. And then you're you're exhibiting your fear in front of all these other people around you, and it's just like a lot of vulnerability too. <laughs> now here is my interview with John Braver, writer, director, musician, stuntman, and creator of the interactive, immersive, theatrical haunted experience, Delusion. John, thank you for coming on Hyphenated. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Obviously, Hyphenated is about living in a hyphen. We talk about a lot of things that are hyphenated here. And I think I wanted you to come on the show because to me, your production was such a junction of so many different types. It is definitely, this is like a hyphenated, multi-multi-hyphenated experience production show, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's funny you say that because when I first heard about the podcast, I was like, many, many years ago, I thought about how everybody sort of lives in this hyphenated mode and especially in this town yeah i'm a writer director producer mm-hmm. actor uh, art director all that kind of stuff so it's the talent here is insane i mean you, just on a quick side note you know you'd have a carpenter that comes in and does work and delusion and all of a sudden you find out he's an amazing artist that's you know sold a bunch of paintings and stuff right yeah it, it's cool to find the the hidden talents within people can we say that what like the general premise is Oh, yeah, of course. So well, we should. Yeah. It's uh, 1974. It's uh, basically a supernatural cult story. Mm-hmm. Basically, this old property out in Pomona that uh, was run by this woman named Esther Phillips, who disappeared in 1953. And that was when the show took place last year. Oh, okay. And so 20 year, 21 years have passed. And during that time, a cult and, uh, and lore has built up around her disappearance. Yeah. As if uh, her ground, the grounds herself are sort of hollowed. You know, H-A-L-L-O, like this sort of people have come here mm-hmm. to um, pay homage and to sacrifice themselves to feed the soil. That's sort of the, the mantra of this year's show is feeding the soil. So you come there and you die in her grounds and you get this gift of immortality. You get this gift of like uh, rebirth in some ways. So that's where the pre- practical creature effects come back in. Like yeah. some, some of these characters have come back as a, a giant spider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's core. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cult classic story in the vein of like um texas chainsaw meets um like the manson family mixed with Mm -hmm. like supernatural horror uh there's just so many elements of all all the things that i love so much and not even and not even so much because i wasn't a that was an era we've never done the 70s so uh i started listening to psychedelic 70s rock and that helped shape this story as well too yeah the premise is that you you are deprogrammers. You are these characters that uh, help people escape cults, pull them out of cults, and you're you're tracking down um, uh, our main character Shane, her little brother Nathan, and so you you are tasked with sneaking and infiltrating the cult and rescuing him. Like you said, delusions uh, definitely has a lot of cross uh, blending between haunted houses and theater, um, escape room. Even though we Definitely don't want to say it's an escape room because then we have to be repairing props constantly, um, which we got to avoid. So, at its at its core, it is a play. It's it's theater. Yes, and it it's basically like living inside of a psychological horror movie. Yes, and I used to work in film for a long time, and I still do. And so we kind of take the film world and bring it into the uh, the real world. Yeah, and I think that for me, the first time I went, I was expecting it to be kind of a haunted house, but also a play too. It was live performance, so I I had an idea in my head of what it was. And ultimately, after doing it twice, I feel like it's an interactive movie. We get to be characters in this movie. It's I, you know I've done other things that are like in interactive immersive theater, and you kind of still continue to be an audience member, even though you're in this in the setting you're still being shown things and in your experience you're an active participant you you can make choices you can help out 
the the characters you feel like a kingship to your little group that that is trying to get through this experience and i was telling my friend who went with me last night she's like well how scary is it how scary is it and i was thinking about it's like it's not about it being scary it's not a haunted house it is exciting there are moments when you are exhilarated where you are being chased where you're running when you are like closing a door behind you and not that it's not scary, it's spooky and creepy and gory, but I didn't have that sort of like haunted house, like, oh, something jumped out and scared me every three seconds feeling. Mm-hmm. This is going to be sound cliche. It was like a dream. Like when you're in a dream and like the boulder from Dana Jones is coming at you or like there's a car chase, it's like you're, you're being dropped in that experience. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's cool. Let's start from, from the beginning. I know you have a very hyphenated background. Well, it's, it's been quite a journey and a lot of fun. Like uh, I was I'm from Chicago. I was a big gamer back there in the early days of role-playing games. I was a gymnast at the same time. I was a musician. I was going to college to get a degree in guitar. But uh, at the same time, I'm you know going home and playing these RPGs and stuff. And um, I ended up try- getting, falling in love with these RPGs so much that I wanted to sort of move that into the real world. So I took over a like an old clock tower in Chicago mm-hmm. and the city of Chicago hired me to put on a show there. Back then it was called haunted play. So I didn't want it to be a haunted house. I wanted it to be a mixture of the two. So how creative haunted play. Yeah. <laughs> I'll look back on that. And, yeah. But it kind of did encompass what this thing was. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag. Don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. So, I did that show and people seem to really dig it. They just love the idea of it being the mixture of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, more theatrical, more connected to some of the characters and all that. And also... I was big into music, obviously, at that time. So I would really score the whole thing and we would incorporate music into it in ways that were uh, creating a live movie. Mm-hmm. So then I fell in love with Jackie Chan at that time, too. So I had all these things going on. And I was like, I graduated with a degree in guitar and then decided, you know what, I'm going to take off to L.A. and become a stuntman. Um, so I grabbed my guitar, took off and uh, started working in the film business in 99. Um, mm-hmm. I moved in 98. So 99, I did, did this thing and I was just working in film and TV for, for till this day, I still do it. But the whole time that I did that haunted play, it was uh, so infectious and, and was sort of gnawing in me over the years of like, I got to continue this because I saw people coming out of these experiences with such bright smiles and, and the togetherness that it brought people was so intoxicating that I was like, mm-hmm. God, man, this is what people really need. So in 2011, after working in a a bunch of film and television shows, I took my contacts from there and my experience from, from that world and brought it into the live world and rented a giant mansion in the West Adams district, this beautiful old Victorian mansion. And there was nothing like this in LA at the time. This is mm-hmm. right when Sleep No More in New York started though. So it was yeah. um, 
Sleep No More is a more of a non-linear open world kind of format, but Delusion was very narrative driven. Mm-hmm. And so I, I changed the name from Haunted Play to Delusion for the first year and just tried 11 nights, like a pilot program here at the, in, in the West Adams district of LA. And it just went, it just blew up. It went crazy. And it was literally the same as what it is today in terms of it's the immersion mm-hmm. and the feeling of being inside of the movie. So um, that just took off and we had, you know, being in LA, you have a lot of the industry and celebrities. So we were able to get uh, Neil Patrick Harris who came to the show in 2011. And he called me up after that and he said, Hey, let's do something together. This was the coolest thing I've ever done. And um, so the next year we, while he was working on how I met your mother, I would go to the set. We'd like sit there and talk through the next year. And uh, I'd come to him with a script and he'd be like, Oh, cool. That sounds good. We'd audition together. And then we did another one that was like 35 nights. And it just, it just kept compounding over time to the point where delusion became this sort of cult classic in LA of all these really cool site specific venues with a really cool story that's infused within it um, with professional actors. And I brought my stunt expertise into that and stunt rigging into that world as well too. So there was nothing like, nothing like it um, in that respect. So it was a very unique show and it's just sort of been building upon itself for a while here. Reading into your bio and seeing that you, you have roots in stunt and having done the show twice, there's definitely an element that is a lot more physical than some of some other uh, interactive experiences or even haunted houses where there are people falling into, into graves or people busting through walls. Uh, There's, I think, I think me and my friend were trying to discuss this. Like there's, I think there's a contortionist at one point uh, that comes out oh, and I it's like, yeah, about. exactly. I don't want to give too much away, but the performance is a lot more physical than I'm used to. And there's a, a part in your show where you're walking down something and then I couldn't believe what was happening. I was like, is there seriously a person hovering above us or coming down above us <laughs> yeah. to make the point is I feel like there's, it's, it, this experience is so physical, a lot more physical than some other experiences that I've seen before. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's, um, it's a, it's a unique show in that respect. It's, there's nothing passive about it. Like, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that people love about it is that you're, you're always moving. You're moving through the story. You're mm-hmm. sneaking onto a truck. You know, I, I'm okay. If I'm going to give anything away, at least it's going to come from me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> sneaking onto trucks, you're seeing practical creatures. You know, the yeah. contortionist that you saw was a practical creature, mm-hmm. um, which we've incorporated that stuff. These are friends of mine from that did like Hellboy and Pan's Labyrinth and stuff like that. So they come in and build stuff you'll never see except in a movie. So yeah, you're constantly moving through the show. So it's, you know, there's something for everybody here. If you do want to be a little bit more passive, you can, you still have to move through the show, but Mm -hmm. um, you can kind of hang in the back and not interact as much, but you get the most out of it if you really um, let yourself be swallowed into the story and the environment. It's a bit of a labyrinth, you know, you you don't really, all of a sudden you feel like you're underground. You don't even know what floor you're on. You're just, where the hell am I? You you go in thinking, this is what it is. It's this house, this thing. And then all of a sudden they take you out of the house and then you're doing something else and then you're somewhere else. And then literally by the end, like you said, like I remember leaving the first time of the show and I was like, were we underground at one point? Were we or did I make that up? Did I dream that? Did I like imagine that that they somehow, but no, going through it again, like, yes, it is a huge labyrinth and it takes you and you're not prepared for the depth. And by the end, it feels like you've gone through like a hundred houses. You've gone through a million rooms. You've gone to like different dimensions. Uh, at one point it felt like we were going back in time. Oh, so you did take the, uh, the LSD before you went through the show. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great thing to say, actually, the, the dream, because this is a 1974 story, mm-hmm. and there is some, like, LSD references. So the fact yes. that you felt like you went through time or you were in a dream sequence, like, that was the whole point of it, to make sure that people felt, um, you know, wonderfully disoriented and, and, and uh, euphoric and elated in some way, in a higher plane of existence. It was kind of yeah. cool. No, definitely. And the, and, the, and the actors also helped a lot with that. There's levity. Uh, you're kind of brought in and out of the drama, but you, you're, always, you're always in it. Like it, it felt legitimately like you were part of it throughout. It never felt like the artifice wasn't there. You know, like, you know, it's a show, but also you felt like you were uh, really involved in it. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about your process? Like it's a new year. You go, we have to do a new show. Where do you start? Do you start with the location and say, what can we build here? Do you start with a story and find a location? Uh, and then how do you kind of like write this? How do you, uh, how do you write this? How do you create this? Yeah. With uh, an intense amount of labor and just <laughs> lots of coffee. It's just these, these, these shows are really the hardest part is writing them. Um, mm-hmm. I've written now eight shows. I've had some co-writers uh, scattered throughout the eight, the eight seasons. And sometimes I have, I have, a, I have a book of ideas and um, things that I would like to do and, if I, I have a location scout, that's how we found this one. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of sends me pictures of places and uh, locations that either inspire me in one way or another to, to check it out, to uh, infuse a story that I've written, uh, even if it's just a couple sentences into a place, you know, that's a tat like one year, there was a fantasy horror novelist and we found a, a house that kind of blended with, with that idea. But what, you know, chicken or egg kind of thing. I mean, what, what comes first? It's, it's really the last two years. Um, well, let's just say over the entire eight years, it's been the the venue has usually come first and then the story, except for a few different places. Like 2016, we did a vampire show and um, this old villa kind of screamed vampire to me. So I'll, I'll find a place and then I'll have that idea. And then that idea might go in a completely different direction because I'll hang out in that house or that old church um, mm-hmm. or that club for you know, weeks on end and go visit it and just, just sit it, sit in it and let it, let it live with me. And then I'll write, I'll go off in a little space and write the, start writing scenes. But the number one thing I find is like making sure that the flow works. This is more of a logistical thing, but that, you know, you can never with these kind of shows, you always have to be moving forward, uh, never crossing back, never backtracking because, you know, we have pulsing. So mm-hmm. 10 people every 10 minutes. So you got to be very careful. And so as you're, as I'm writing this story, the first thing I do is find the flow. I mean, I have the idea, the general idea of the story, but then I find the flow and then I start writing based on that flow. How is, how will the story progress? Um, where, how long can you be with an actor before I have to get them reset to the other, to, to start over? Mm-hmm. How many actors am I going to need, you know, double casting or triple casting certain actors? It's, it's the hardest part about it is really like, Crafting a story that is engaging, emotional, exciting, uh, you know, whimsical, haunting, and all that, while being able to factor in all the you know, the budget. How many actors can I actually have? Yeah. This? How, how many do I have to cycle through? How is this going to play? I, I just want to point out, it's a lot. It's a lot of actors. You go through this, and you see, you meet a new person every few minutes, and there, and you guys, as far as I can tell, you're not recycling people. The guy who played the first guy isn't playing the last guy. It's a new person every single time. And it is obviously, you know, I keep comparing it to a haunted house because I want people to understand how much this is not like just a regular haunted house. In haunted houses, there's tons of people, but they're all wearing masks. They're all, you know, they're not necessarily individuals. In this case, it's you, you just meet so many people throughout this, this journey. 
And then some of them stay with you yeah. for a long time. Some of them are just there for a little bit, but it's so many people. It's, it's, it's really impressive. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, you should see the inner workings of it. People just moving because we don't have like a proper backstage kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. all a real, a real old house, a real, yeah. you know, a graveyard that we built a carriage house. So uh, it's, it's fun to see the inner workings of it. Cause you know, with, with the stunts, with the music, with the, all these special effects, the creature effects, like it's all playing around you as well as six plays going on at one time throughout mm-hmm. the entire space that you still, but yet you still feel like this is your story, mm-hmm. that this is your journey. And um, that's not an easy feat. That's why we have like really quality stage manager and production manager and uh, the actors are just committed. It takes a very certain type of actor to do the illusion show. Yeah. Once we're like just gung ho and like ready to dive in and, you know, cause it's pretty physical, but there's nothing like it. I mean, there's no other, Mm-mm. you talk to any delusion actor and they're just like, especially at the end of the run, they're like, that was like the greatest <laughs> seminar I've ever had. Like, or just the best playground I could possibly use to, to hone the craft kind of thing. Yeah. Cause you're just, you get a new group every 10 minutes. Right. So you're, you're feeding off that energy and the story yes. changes a bit. Like it depends on if somebody's really involved and they're asking questions of an actor that are appropriate, not really belligerent, mm-hmm. then it could, it could shift his perspective. It could sh- shift his attitude towards yeah. certain moments. So you're actually, you are kind of shaping a story. So every time you come to a delusion show, you're going to, it's going to feel a little different. Yeah. I could tell that there's so much improv. There's so many things that the, the the actors, not just in terms of just the lines that they're saying, but just also logistically, just storytelling, just basically kind of like in film where like, you know, there's performance, but sometimes you do a shot where an actor does a thing to just like move the story along. And then there's times when you can tell that the actors were doing a line or doing a performance, but they were trying to help us understand like how far we can go or like the, the prop that we're supposed to grab without being explicit. And they were doing it so expertly. Like you said, like every time a new group comes in, they have to adjust. The first time I did it, there was an, uh, one point where a performer comes out and then asks for somebody who had been given a flashlight to give them the flashlight, but that person had dropped the flashlight already or something. And then the performer had to improvise and, and act it like he found it on the floor, even though I I, I'm pretty sure he just had an extra one. And this time I had the flashlight and the performer was like, give me the flashlight. And I gave it to him immediately. He goes, you're really trusting. And I was like, I wasn't expecting that. Cause last time the character was frustrated that the person didn't give it to him fast enough. And this time oh, he yeah. kind of like made me feel like, wait, should I have not given him the, fl-? even though I knew for a fact that that was part of what we we're supposed to do. His performance put me in doubt of my actions. And it really like, as again, as somebody who's done it before, it really put me back into the story because I'm like, I don't know what's going to change. I don't know what's going to be different this time. Are the characters that I've met last time, are they going to, is the one who was really nice, is he going to be really mean this time? Is the one that was incredibly aggressive going to be like different? Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. And we got to a certain point where you realize that you have to make a choice for yourself as a, as 
part of the performance and it will affect the outcome. And it kind of, something puts you on the spot, but it's, it's a very exciting way of feeling like, oh my God, what are we, what are we doing? This isn't just a play where a bunch of people are doing something in front of us. We are part of this, of this play. <laughs> That's fun. I, I want to talk a little bit about like the production design because I love how, like it's an interactive play, but I feel it's an interactive movie. And it's an, in a lot of ways like a video game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And what I found is that you, you make us the audience members become our own camera. Mm -hmm. So there are times you have to hide. And I chose to hide in a different part because I wanted to see a different angle of the scene. And I was, I was not just watching it. I was seeing the framing, the cinematography, the creatures coming up to me. And I'm like picturing it as like a camera. I think this is my, my point of it. It's different than just interactive theater is that it's interactive filmmaking. Like you are making us the camera that has to go through and capture these moments from different angles. And I want to do it multiple times because I feel like every time we do it, it's a little different. Well, one thing I have to say, like, I love that you pick up on that stuff, uh, you know, in terms of filmmaking, like the fact that you're talking about how you are a camera from different angles mm -hmm. is exactly the, the method that I go about when I'm writing these shows. I, I treat, I treat the audience's camera. I sit in places that I think they're going to hide or stand and watch it, you know, from this, from that angle. And um, it's as if like, yeah, you are cutting a live movie or right? you can like imagine if you could so perhaps have you know, POV cameras and everybody and be able to see a cut between different mm -hmm. angles. And that, that's exactly what this show is. Um, so thanks for that. Thanks for saying that because it's, it, it's gratifying when you're like, this is this is my method. This is what I'm trying to do mm -hmm. with this show. And then have somebody explain it back to you. It's like, oh, yeah, they get it. <laughs> Kevin gets it. Kevin gets it. <laughs> it's, it's funny because... Um, yeah, that you're a part of it. I mean, that really, that's our mantras play your part, but it's so true because mm -hmm. yeah, you definitely, we have people who get really into it where they're, where they're acting, they're pretending that they're acting, they're doing yes. the actual sequences where they're, you know, their, their faces are stern or they're, they're, they're fully engaged and it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to watch that. <laughs> I, I think honestly, I, I think next time if, if I go back and I, if I bring Jenny and stuff, I am going to like dress up. I'm going to dress up to match the time period. And I'm going to yeah. like, I, 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 this time I was a little bit more vocal in terms of like when the character should ask things like who, who brought you here? I would say the name. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's the character we just met. And I was a little bit more vocal and I realized, why don't I like act like I'm in this time period? So I'd say like next time you go in mm -hmm. particular, I know you, you, you seem to really like to engage with it and remember what you did prior and do it this time. I'd say like maybe even engage with Shane a little more in the beginning, you know, mm -hmm. when you see her and she's like, do you remember me? Do you remember me? You helped me and my little brother yeah. get out of the cult. You could, you could be like, Shane, yes, I remember you. Yeah, you could be like, yeah, yeah what yeah. happened to Nathan? <laughs> it's one of those things where like, as an audience member, you are afraid of interjecting or, or slowing it down or whatever, but it is built. It is built for, for, the, for the guests to be able to interact and be part of it. And I've noticed that a lot more this time that there is that space and then they prompt you. They go, who, who said that? Or where am I going? Or like, you know, they, they ask you questions um, but I can see that there's space for that, for, for your own performance in there. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because your your experience depends a lot on the group you're with. If mm -hmm. you got the right people, then you're you're in for a treat. It's just, of course, with live events and all that and different putting people together, you can have some belligerent people who are not really like yeah. responding properly or interjecting when they're not yeah. supposed to. So you if you are a good, you know, the vast majority of people who are coming to this and spending the money to go to this show, then mm -hmm. you know, you have respect for the actors and stories. Yes. So you know, if you know when to kind of step in you just know your place in that yeah. story then then you're good to go yeah no definitely it's in terms of of staying within the story of being part of it it's like being in theater you still have to have respect 
for what's going on on stage. You can't ruin the experience for other people. Yeah, and that happens. We've had people come out who are like, I love the show, but this guy next to me just wouldn't shut up. <laughs> That's a, You're rolling the dice on that one. But for the most yeah. part, it's worked out. It's worked out well. I wanted to talk to you a little bit before we go about just, I, I personally love this. I love interactive, immersive experiences. I've gone to the UK to do secret cinema. That was the Back to the Future one. And then later I did the one that was Stranger Things. Um, and it, the Back to the Future one was like, this just this big town that they built and you can walk around and interact. But I know Secret Cinema in the past has done things where like, it's it's more more narrative, where like you show up at a thing and they put you on a bus and they take you somewhere else and they put you in costumes. Mm-hmm. I guess the point I'm making is that I love that sort of stuff, but I also feel like that style of storytelling is becoming more mainstream now, where you have something like the new Star Wars ride at Disneyland. It's at the same level, but like part of it is you've been captured by the First Order and now you're a prisoner. And then the, the cast members act all stern and they're like, go stand there or whatever. And I feel like obviously it's not to the same extreme, but I feel like people are getting more used to doing interactive experiences, uh, immersive yeah. experiences in, in more day-to-day life. You mentioned escape rooms. Like this is not an escape room, but it has elements where you do feel like you have to participate, you have to help, you have to turn this thing this way, you have to help look for a thing. And ultimately, the story is going to move on, even if you don't, but it, it really makes you feel like you're part of it. So how do you feel like the what you do? How is it morphing? And how do you see this, this style of storytelling evolving? Well, going back to what you're saying about how you know it's becoming a little more mainstream with like the Star Wars example. Mm-hmm. That's not by mistake. I mean, there are, you know, I, along with other immersive creators and directors have been, have worked for Disney Imagineering as consultants, mm-hmm. you know, over the years, I was working in their Hong Kong Disneyland project and they, you know, read the writing on the wall and said, yeah, we want, people want to be more, uh, not only immersed in the experience, but that's sort of a buzzword now. It's like people want to have more of a connection to these stories. Mm-hmm. So it could be as simple as like, yeah, like you were saying, you're captured by the first order, just a nice setup. And then you and you go. Um, that's been a that's been deliberate, um, and it and it has been. And, and again, there's no ego here, but like there has been. We we in the immersive community have helped influence the larger companies to go a little bit more in that direction. But that's they strike the balance between their operations and what we're doing. You know, we have 250 to 300 300 people a night. They have they got to get 2,000 people through in like an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you can only do so much when it comes to. Um, you know, true connection um, on on that scale. So I, I I think a lot of these things are marketing activations. You know, like they do at Comic Con with Secret Cinemas, done some really cool shit. Yeah, and it's easy for them because it is all write offs for them on the marketing side of things. Those aren't long term experiences. You know, the Stranger Things experience in Netflix. It was um, you know that we'll see how long that that goes and it goes from different cities to different cities and that could have some legs based on the uh, the popularity of the IP. And you know how good the experience is. So I I see, I, I it's funny because in a short period of time I've seen it I've seen an influx of that. You know I don't know if you remember when it came out they did the it house in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing it happening, but I'm also seeing a little bit of a realization from um, the big big companies that like we're not making any money off this. Like <laughs> yeah, you know, I have, I I was a part of uh, some concepts be, behind Jungle Cruise in in Hong Kong. Or, you know, everybody loves them. We, we had a great time conceiving of the whole thing. But then once operations gets a handle on it, they're like, oh, you can get that many people through. Is it going to slow this down? No. So they just put the kibosh on the whole thing. Yeah. But um, I think in 20 years, like these, these experiences are like seeing people coming out of delusion, especially mm-hmm. after eight seasons now and the joy that they have and like the friendships they've made and the stories that they're telling. Um, there's always going to be a desire for this stuff. 
whether it's uh, you know profitable or not um, is is story that the jury's still out on that one. I mean, we we set out to make delusion an immersive experience is more of an industry rather than a hobby, right? Yes. Like 13th floor entertainment group is invested in me and delusion. I started a, a department within their haunted house company called the department of immersive entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so next other experiences are going to be not exactly like delusion. They might be like higher capacity stuff that are still super fun. Yeah. Um, we might continue the delusion project, even though it's, it's tough, you know, this, we might, take a pause this year and do other things who knows if it's going to be back next year but i get calls from different organizations to help like consult on different things you know uh, short term long term you know the mm-hmm. stranger things netflix thing i was a part of that development as well too so it, it's interesting i don't know exactly where it's going to go like i i feel like it's it's always wanted but is it always going to be warranted by the ones who are controlling the purse strings? I'm not sure, yeah. but I know 13th floor entertainment group, they're probably one of the rare few that, that are taking the risk and in investing in this type of entertainment because they see the, the power behind it. Honestly, I wanted to have you on here to like pick your brain about this sort of stuff. But also I think it's such a great experience. I wanted to make sure that people attend. Mm-hmm. Just last night, I realized that your event runs through November. Right. So people have plenty of time now. I thought it ended at the end of October, but it runs through November. So people have plenty of time. Honestly, I don't even know if you guys need the promotion because I kept looking at your website. It's like everything <laughs> sold out, sold out, sold out. So like at this point, it's more like I want the audience that listens to this who are based in LA to go and buy tickets so they get to do it. Yeah. And then anybody else who's like a horror fan or or, or an interactive theater experience fan, buy plane tickets next time or fly out here and do this. This is sort of something that I would... I would fly out to LA to have done. Yeah. Well, I, I, people come from around the country for this. We have people texting us. We're coming in from Florida next week, yeah. Massachusetts, from all over the country. Where can, if people wanted to buy tickets, where do they go? They're going to go to enterdelusion.com. Check out what's left there. There's still some tickets left on like the Thursdays and Sundays and mm-hmm. we run till November 20th. So we have another, I think it's 27 nights left, something like that. And then it's gone. So you definitely don't want to miss this stuff because mm-hmm. you never know when this is going to be back. I'd say... Grab that plane ticket because, I mean, LA definitely has a lot to offer mm-hmm. between Knots and Universal and then a bunch of home haunts that are pretty sick. Yeah. Um, and then some other experiences, like there's one called The Willows. It's a buddy of mine, Justin Fix, who does a really great job with that one. So make a whole, you know, incredible weekend out of it. But, yeah. you know, you got to do that soon because October in LA is like <laughs> sold out, slammed and all that. But that's where, like, when you get into November and then everything kind of dies down and delusion's still around. Yeah, that's that's super cool and special. So, yeah, yeah. I hope to see people, more people from around the country, and it's definitely gaining notoriety like around the country. I'm glad. I'm glad. I love this sort of stuff, and I think you guys did an amazing job. And you, you'll definitely see me there again. I'm gonna. You'll see me and my friends. I'm gonna be like these are all my friends, and we're deprogrammers, and we're showing up. I'm gonna make them all dress up. So, so you'll definitely see me there again. I want to be there when you're doing. <laughs> we had we had a show called The Blue Blade. It was like an Indiana Jones meets sci-fi mm-hmm. thing, and people showed up in Indiana Jones hats, with yeah, the whip and everything. I'm like, well, you well, can't bring the whip inside there, but you know, no. bring the <laughs> bring your hat. That's your what hat. that's that's another thing I was thinking was how this doesn't have to be horror. Like horror is a great genre for this to fit in, but this could be any kind of adventure, action adventure story being told. So the fact that you did an Indiana Jones style one, which I love that. I love that this can become more than just horror centric. It could be so many things. So, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for for coming on. Thank you for doing this show. Again, it it was a great experience. I'm glad I got to do it uh, and for sharing your process with us. Oh, absolutely. It's super fun. It's great to meet you, Kevin. I'll see you in person next time. Okay. Sounds good. 
spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo: los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja, y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego.